Welcome to Don't You Lie to Me. <laughs> okay, let's go. Don't you lie to me. I'm gonna have another drink. Don't you lie to me. Explain that to the kids. Don't you lie to me. Okay, let's hear that story. Let's start interviewing. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Don't You Lie to Me. I'm Jeff Bell and I'm here with producer Warren Hicks. On today's episode, we're going to talk to Stacy Kirby. She's a recent winner of Art Prize. And if you'd like to check out her work, you can go to her website, stacy-kirby.com or you can go to our website, which is don'tyoulietome.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Our Twitter feed is at D-Y-L-T-M-N-C. Hey there, we're with Stacy Kirby. How are you doing, Stacy? I'm doing great. Are you still flying high? I am still flying high, yes. We're all super proud of you. <laughs> Thanks. Right, Warren, are you proud? <laughs> we he got said, the thumbs up. He said he's proud. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to all of that, but at first, uh, we want to know a little bit about you. Okay. You grew up in Raleigh, is that right? I did grow up in Raleigh, yeah. And you've been making art for quite some time, but... Uh, not necessarily performance originally. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah. Well, I mean... I know you kind of consider yourself a fiber artist too, right? Did I make that up? I think you made that up a little bit. But you've yeah. done some things of that nature. I mean, I work... I, I would call myself my backgrounds in printmaking. So I studied... When I was at UNC Chapel Hill, I really got into printmaking and then doing mixed media work. So I studied with Beth Grabowski and Ellen Slavic. And, and so um, I started making prints and then not feeling satisfied with a print... Um, as an object and I didn't want to frame anything so I started making books and that's kind of an interactive form of a print yeah and that's you know that's so I do have a a background in textile conservation I do that in my jobby job Uh Um, and sometimes I sew on my machine but often I'm sewing paper rather than sewing fabric right so I wouldn't really call myself a fiber artist as much yeah you're allowed to tell me I'm wrong a paper yeah you're wrong Jeff Bell (laughs) more of a paper artist um we've talked before and and I at least in my mind, it seems like there was a work that you did at Harker's Island. Uh, is that right? On Topsail Island? Oh, was it at Topsail? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That seemed like a maybe a, a performative act that maybe got things started yeah. down the performance road. Can you, uh, what was that about? It involved salt? Yeah, that was called a salt library. And basically I took 50 pound salt licks to the ocean and let them sit in the ocean for like, an hour up to 12 hours and I would just sit there and and document it and actually start discussing with the public what I was doing. And it was a very experimental thing for me. I was just obsessed with salt after reading the world history of salt and um, just um, mesmerized with the way that it was integrated in all of our lives and how important it's been over the history of the world. And so I started playing with that as a material and it's turned into a performative piece. And that wasn't really by my choice. Like public started referring to me, the people that lived on Topsail Island started referring to me as the salt lady. And so I started wearing the same exact thing and using the same exact little cart and yeah, and just started doing this performance apparently. And right. um, and I documented the entire thing in a huge book that I, I stitched together and, um, and I weighed all the blocks uh, afterwards so I knew how much loss of salt there was. And um, but what, what I found the most interesting in that project was the interactions with the public about, you know, 
the stories that they would make up about what I was actually doing, and I would just let them tell me, oh, you're trying to, you know, draw on the fish or the sea turtles or, you're, you know, these just came out of the ocean or, you know. So right. it was really fun to interact with them. Yeah. And, that, and that's really kind of, um, as your works evolve, that's still really present. You, uh, you're not only uh, interacting or telling people what what the work is you're letting them kind of define it mm -hmm. which is really pretty amazing um mm -hmm. uh, and also uh when you when you talked about documenting documenting that work what does documenting mean you said you made a book does that mean photographing writing photographing writing weighing the pieces um telling the journey of how i get from um at that time i was living in raleigh to topsail island because it's something i've done with my family since i was five years old mm -hmm. and um so the physical actual um journey along the roads of north carolina and some of the back roads and then um then the conversations i would have with the public and the people that um yeah were just coming up to me and, and and chatting and there's so many different types of people that was what i that's why i love doing art and outside of a um a traditional art context outside of a museum or a gallery because you interact with all different types of uh, north carolinians there were teachers there were people in the military there were visitors to north carolina you know so it was interlopers uh, interlopers <laughs> we love those interlopers they that, help our economy topsoil is really where we would vacation growing up and mm. so that like really i didn't know that yeah it oh. sort of typifies what um the beach is for me like mm -hmm. when i went to uh, uncw and would go to um, wrightsville beach that seemed uh kind of highfalutin yeah. to me that's like myrtle beach right <laughs> it, it well uh it, for me it felt like it was overly populated and too much to do like yeah. you, you you were not focused on being at the beach yeah 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 but, you just need one like dilapidated putt putt place and maybe a v vhs store you right. know an ice cream shop and that's it right we we would go down to uh the south end to topsail yeah. and um uh, a, a family member of ours owned a store called Godwin's, which is still there. Really? Yeah, oh that, my God, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I love Godwin's. It's. It, I think the same things are in that store that were in there when yep. I was a kid. Um, but that was like my grandmother's cousin, and mm. we would we would go down. They had a little cottage, a pink cottage that was mm -hmm. right next door, and that's where we would go no to the way. pink cottage. I didn't know you're Southern Topsail oh, Topsail yeah. Beach person. That's oh, yeah. totally where my family has been going. So I have a lot of memories of there, and then going over and getting uh, orange aids, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is still. Uh, I mean, yeah. How about, did you go skating at Doris's oh, yeah. roller rink? Oh yeah. yeah. Which has not changed ever at all. <laughs> it's a lot of that end has not changed. The other way has changed. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that we did a lot of was, mm -hmm. um, the water slides at surf city. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember that they don't have them anymore. No, they don't. Me and my cousin spent many an hour yes. on the water slides. Oh my God. Jeff, we probably hung we, out. We probably did. We probably did you were probably mean to me, uh, back then too. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> You're mean to me. <laughs> So back to the yeah. to the process. You go through this um, this work. You figure out that what interests you really mm -hmm. is interacting with the public. Um, is that when you started making uh, work that we might recognize as what we see today, or was there a, an evolution? I'd say that was my first performative interaction. That's what I call them. And um, but um, the one that really dry, kind of began the work with the Bureau of Personal Belonging was the Declaration Project that happened 
at the Headland Center for the Arts when I was an artist in residence there about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a two-month residency, and I um, was awarded that through the North Carolina Arts Council, which is an amazing experience to have. And I feel very honored to have been chosen for that because um, it changed my life, my work. Um, and so I'd already had that, you know, the beach, the salt experience. And then they told me, the Headland staff told us all that we would have an open studio for um, four hours, and we'd probably going to have five to seven hundred people come through Um, that's not my favorite thing I'm a very private artist I don't do a lot of open studio time Um, Mm -hmm. as you know you've probably never been in my studio have you and you're a friend of mine (laughs) no no I've no I don't think I have yeah (laughs) so um, anyway so that created a lot of anxiety for me and I didn't really I didn't really just want to be on display I wanted to do something that engaged people in conversation and so I spread out all of the 13 boxes that I brought with me to the artist residency and in a grid formation on my floor unpacked everything and so my own kind of personal belongings that I brought with me in the physical sense and then I made a card that looked a lot like some you know immigration paperwork or um, declarations of when you're coming in and out of a country and ask people to talk about their own uh, personal belongings that they brought with them into into my space. Mm-hmm. And um, so I went to Kinko's and I made a little card and um, uh, I had a desk in the space already uh, and I got a couple chairs and a fellow artist gave me her typewriter, which is really sweet, that started everything, and a couple clipboards and that's what happened. And then people started coming in and they really got into it. I was mm-hmm. just kind of stunned. People started sitting down on the floor, dumping out their bags, like really inventorying every single thing. And this was, I, I think this was three months before the iPhone actually was released for the first time. Mm. So that it was. it's fun to document that transition within the declaration archive because this project travels um, right. but so that was the beginning for me that's my real first performative interaction I would say with that with intention of the intention of having an exchange of energy and, and interacting with with people coming in to the space and, and what did what do you think you learned from that initial experience I know I know you you what we see now is very mm-hmm. sort of um, particular you, you've got a uh, a particular way of staging things, mm-hmm. uh, of, of uh, furniture and, and mm-hmm. other things, just a really an, an, a complete environment. Mm-hmm. But at that time, it seems like you you're kind of making do with what you've got on hand. Yeah. When did you say I need to I need to really kind of create this space? Well, I think the first thing I learned was that people were willing to participate. And one and and felt it was very cathartic for them to actually sit down and start with the physical, and then they ended up going into the the emotional. And some people really offered some deep, deep um, insight into their lives and their hearts and their minds. And that was um, I felt very honored by that. So I felt like I tapped into something that um, I felt was a success for me as an artist. Um, and so. And yeah, so it was really cool to to realize that I didn't need to do much to create an environment, but I actually really love installation and creating environments. Mm -hmm. And I love rearranging furniture and like uh, energetics in a space and a flow and how people move through space and guiding them. And so I think as I continue to do this project, I started collecting things and I didn't intentionally go out and collect things. I just would come across objects in my path or people mm-hmm. would give me objects right. um, or I would go to state surplus and look around and fall in love with a, a lamp or something. And and so it started to naturally grow. And I 
committed to doing this project, the declaration project, once a year for the rest of my life, at least. And I've pretty much, I think I've done that. It might have been one year that um, after the cam show that I didn't do it. But mm-hmm. that's okay. I've made up for it with Art Prize. So. <laughs> <laughs> so the cam show was when I, I met you for yeah. the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you were very serious, but I could tell that I liked you. <laughs> was very uh, serious. The first meeting uh, you came in, I was like, oh, she's very serious. But yeah, but you I had to be in that context. Yeah, sure. So, uh, so then uh, I, I was sort of helping you set up that that show mm-hmm. in, in the basement in cam. Mm-hmm. And that involved the declaration project, um, valid nation, mm-hmm. and the power of the ballot, the power of the ballot, mm-hmm. which I think was new. It was at, the first time I did that piece. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So um, you don't, it, even though you said you tried to, to do um, uh, a pro- that project every year, you're also in- including it within the uh, Bureau of Personal Belonging. Personal Belonging. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're creating a, a sort of environment with where all these different projects mm-hmm. um, live together. Yeah. And they've actually, all these projects have come up individually. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I've started packaging um, them under the heading of the Bureau of Personal Belonging. Yeah. And what is the, if I go to the bureau, mm-hmm. bureau, what do I see? What is that like? You walk into, um, I'd say, I say fifties to seventies office environment. Mm-hmm. Some people like to pick sixties. I don't know. There's always a discussion with participants what year it is, you know, it's yeah. kind of funny, but it's not one specific year. It's an, it's an era. It's a, um, a period of time where there's a lot of face-to-face interaction. There's not so much computers. There's handwritten, handwritten notes and um, memos typed up on typewriter. Writers and um, uh, and so that's what you're seeing when you come and you see a lot of wood paneling. I love going to Lowe's and uh, buying four by eight sheets of, of wood paneling. That's one of my favorite things mm-hmm. to do. I love that. And so um, and then you see like vintage, you know, objects on tables and um, lamps and um, uh, staplers and you know all those little office knickknack things that um, that fill people's office spaces. And so I lo- I love going around to different office spaces and taking photos and, and noting what people are, uh, how they fill their space. Mm-hmm. I love clipboards. I have over 65 clipboards now. Yeah. Yeah. You got a lot. <laughs> so, so you come in and yeah. who's the first person you generally? So in the Bureau of Person Belonging now, right now, the identity officer greets you at the front desk and you have to fill in a ledger with your name, um, the date and your identity. And your identity is wide open. It's totally up for you to decide. And that is actually really problematic for some people. Mm -hmm. Um, And the first time they've ever thought about how they identify, quote unquote. Um, So that's kind of the first step into interaction um, and participation in the Bureau. And some people only do that and don't do anything else. And that's okay, you know. But some people do that and push their own comfort zones and then keep going, which is awesome. So we have a punch clock so everyone can punch in and time Mm -hmm. cards. and, And that's really fun. And this is the first time I've actually had people refuse to do it at our at art prize because um they had been punching the clock for 30 some years and they didn't want to punch it anymore and <laughs> right. i was like i totally honor that you do not have to do that <laughs> right. um but then yeah so and then there's a couple different offices and performances are happening in individual offices and then for the first time this um iteration i had a, a complaints officer who was actually um performed by warren hicks i kind of built that performance around his personality so when when i think of complaining i think of warren (laughs) (laughs) 
But Warren, I know. The, Ironically, he can't say anything right now, which that's, is awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, but I know it, when when you did the project at Cam, yep. Warren also um, worked in that project. He did. Yeah, he did. He was um, he was the precinct officer, kind of navigating this new piece about voting that I've been doing, mm-hmm. and that was a whole new role too. And I hadn't really ironed that out, and so he was kind of floating around and doing the best he could with what I had given him, which is really not much. I kind of just let him fly with it. Um, but what I started watch, um, what I saw happening was uh, these amazing inner office memos that we were passing from one desk to another in the inner office memo envelope, of course, you mm-hmm. know. And Warren's writing was so hilarious and spot on and just really important within the context of some of this really serious office environment. And uh, and I re- and, and also it's just really the, the stories that he was he was telling within his writing about what he was experiencing. Um, I just I just felt like he would be the perfect complaints officer and he deserved a desk. He does. So, yeah. It's about time. And I also Is that a promotion? It's kind of a promotion, yeah, okay. cuz he actually got had somewhere to sit this time. Last time he was just walking around, so but this was also really inspired by me going through TSA um, at the airport in July. Mm. And I came across a card that said you could file um, a complaint or a compliment for TSA. <laughs> and I'm like, that's hilarious. Whoever wants to give TSA a compliment? <laughs> so I found that form. And then I thought of Warren and I thought, you know, we really definitely need a complaints officer. And I was hoping he would come in and do it. And he did. He launched it in the great direction. And yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, he, I, I've <clears> talked to Warren about it some and uh it's amazing. It's when you, when you go into that situation, it, it's so dynamic. The mm-hmm. different responses that you guys get, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, you can get a little kid to come in and, and and who are you? Well, I'm just whatever, and this and that. And then you can have people that really, like you said, think about things for the first time. They really, it really opens people up mm-hmm. in a different way. Mm-hmm. And um, so what about validation? Mm-hmm. What, what happens when I go to that desk? So validation began as a response to Amendment 1 that was passed in North Carolina. Um, and actually, it was not a response to. It was a response to the campaigning for and against and the whole language um, within the amendment about um, the validity of relationships in the state and marriages. And so I... I realized that a lot of people actually hadn't read the amendment and often we don't read the legislation that's being passed in our country. So I started to use that word valid and kind of um, reclaim it and um, create a performance around um, me sitting there as the civil validation officer and asking people to fill out a civil validation card with a description of their family, their partnership or their lifestyle. And then I determined whether or not they're valid based on what they write on the card. So, yeah, a little serious there. It it is. And I I don't think I'm uh, spoiling anything by saying that you get validated. Every person does. But um, and I've talked to Warren about this, too, particularly Mm -hmm. in in the bathroom project that Mm -hmm. you did recently. Uh, You go in, Mm -hmm. you describe yourself. Mm -hmm. This is the viewer. You as the as the officer there Mm -hmm. photographs uh, the person standing at the desk. Is that correct? Photographs. Didn't you turn to the side and... Oh, yeah. That, I was just making people turn to the side so okay. I'm like analyzing. They, they think I'm analyzing them even though I'm not. Right. Yeah. But what, what I <laughs> yeah. think is fascinating mm-hmm. is um, being a, a, a white male. Privilege. I, pri- well, yes. I, I mean, I, I don't... You know, I haven't gone into situations where I feel judged in that yeah. way. And I was really surprised. You're standing there. You're... Mm-hmm. You are... In, 
even though I know that you're going to stamp me as a human, yeah, you you still feel this anxiety, yeah. and that's very powerful. I mean, I think that's um, it can help people understand maybe the th- way other people feel, yeah, which is very difficult to do. And yeah. and if someone could come in and they could do it and they could be like whatever, but they could also experience that and really. Um, Mm-hmm. I think open their eyes mm-hmm. to to understanding what other people feel on a daily basis. And yeah. that's an incredible thing to be able to do. Exactly. And that's why when I took this project to Art Prize in Grand Rapids, I was committed to, um, you know, I originally brought in my performance team from North Carolina, which were they're amazing. Um, but also I wanted to bring in community members from Grand Rapids who had experienced what we're talking about being invalidated in their own community and have them do the performances. So they are kind of feeling, they're feeling empowered and playing that role and then having other people in their community go through that process and maybe kind of understanding and empathizing with them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of those people, as you said before, was Warren. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you name the folks that came from North yeah. Carolina? Heather Gordon and then Harriet Hoover. And then Alex Manis, who's also my documenter and photographer, videographer, he also started playing the role of the declarations officer. So he got into the performance role as well. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, I'm going to um, feel good about myself for a little while or where I work. Um, and that is 21C. Mm-hmm. And it, it sort of began with a project called Pitch Night in Durham. Mm-hmm. And we... Um, through a partnership with Art Prize, opened it up to uh, for people to submit projects, ideas that would then go on to Art Prize. Mm-hmm. And um, you came in and four others, and there was a, a jury, and then you you won five thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars to realize this project in Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. On top of that, you <laughs> did an amazing. Um, a fundraising campaign yeah and it was just it was so cool to see so many different people um be so supportive yeah uh, and you recognize all those people and that was fun to see but um but what was what i was talking about earlier this uh this hometown mm-hmm. uh feel of of the victory yeah um i think a lot of people feel that because a lot of people believe in what you're doing and wanted to see this realized somewhere else they've yeah. been impacted here and felt the importance of it and i think people realize that, that there's a universal nature to it which mm-hmm. is incredible because obviously that's true i mean you've gone mm-hmm. to a, a totally different state um, from where these generally originated from, and those same projects were felt. Mm-hmm. They were people realized how important they were. How, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Well, I think you know to back up a little bit. The Kickstarter that I did, I had never done a Kickstarter before, and I'll be honest. Um, 21C and Art Prize, you should do this a lot earlier in the year. <laughs> right. Because after I got $5,000, I'm like, oh, yeah, 5000 Oh, that's not going to go very far. Mm-hmm. Who knew? And I work in the arts at a museum, you know, so I know how much things cost, actually. And and I've worked for an artist, David Solo, in the past as a studio manager. So traveling work, I understand how that works. But um, I was just really excited by getting $5,000. And then I started making a budget. I'm like, oh, this is not going to go very far. We're going to have to make this Kickstarter happen. And so I just dove into it and tried to be as, you know, honest and and had so much gratitude for the community and 
because I do love sharing this work and I have felt really supported in, in North Carolina. And, and yeah, it was amazing to see people rise up and hear their voices uh, with mine and, and then carry this. And then that momentum, I did not realize how important that momentum from this community would be for me to get that work there. I don't think I could have done it without the support of the community here. It mm -hmm. just, it was, it was, yeah, it was super important for me as a one individual taking this work to another place, you know? Yeah. And, um, but yeah, um, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, I can't even describe the feeling of having so many people supporting me. So, so yeah, getting to Grand Rapids with this, you know, $15,000 project basically. And, and it was really great to tell people that there when I got, got to Grand Rapids too, and explain how I managed to get there and how much my community had supported me, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. One thing that I thought was uh, really cool is even though I didn't go to Grand Rapids, mm -hmm. there was this sort of Google map thing where I could walk through the space and see it and how you would navigate through. How did that happen? Yeah, I just I had a photographer contact me and said that she was doing this for a couple artists. And um, I don't know if she was focusing on pitch night artists per se. But she um, yeah, she came in and she was really excited because she felt like the type of camera and the technology she was using um, was going to work really well for my space. And, and I did not anticipate the fact that people that weren't there couldn't really fathom how large and how um yeah how um um just how huge this installation actually was you yeah. know i installed um i brought a team in to install 88 sheets of wood four by eight wood paneling <laughs> that is no small feat that's a lot and um i brought in a friend christian cargo who's an amazing artist too and he and two community volunteers who are also amazing um did that in two days while we rearranged furniture and hung all the little things in the walls and yeah um so so yeah it was no small feat to get this office up and so that that um that photography really helped people at home see what I'd created you know and that was before any of the interaction actually happened in the office yet wow. you know so if there was a way for me to capture the energy of the people coming through the space energetically for people to see it's just i yeah i mean that's what video does and that's what alex will be working on and he'll be presenting we'll be presenting that the donor the kickstarter donor dinner in january right so but i'll have that online as well for people to see but um and, and art prize did some of that so to share well warren and i were um we're together the night of the, the oh, big yeah. announcement and uh and care carrie and heather several of us and uh found out uh, mm -hmm. online at the time of the win and we were all just freaking out because it it does it feels like I know well of course uh, Heather and Warren went and worked in mm -hmm. the in the bureau but it just felt amazing and I think uh, so many people I've talked to since then are just like isn't this incredible and I was like I didn't even know you know Stacy of course I know Stacey. you know it's just it's just <laughs> been really cool uh, to see the response locally after after the fact yeah um, in that environment you have thousands of people coming in yeah, and you have a lot of people from um, various museums and galleries all across uh, the United States and abroad. Mm -hmm. I'm imagining that when you are in that situation, um, there are a lot of opportunities that can come up in the future. Mm -hmm. Is that, is there, are there some things, I don't know if you can talk about them, but are there some things in the works that have come out of uh, art prize that you feel like, 
Um, I wouldn't say there are any specific opportunities yet, but I feel that it's going to happen I hope at so. some point. And yeah, after yeah, speaking and interacting with some people that are in the top of their fields, you know, around the country and the world, and um, and just some of the emails that I'm getting um, uh, honoring this award that I've gotten from people that I didn't even know were paying attention. Right. And um, yeah, that's been, and I can't drop any names right now. No, no, but, we'll, we'll talk later. Yeah. But I am in the dispatches show at Sika, and right. I'll be doing installing in their bathroom and doing the the house build two piece um, called I Am, and um, and and, at, and that opens right around the time of the election. It does. However, my piece is not. I will not be installing my piece till February and doing the performance. So it's kind of a special little site specific cool. um, blip within the longer timeline of the exhibition. Mm-hmm. But yeah, everyone should come out for the show and then come out in February for the for the performance. Yeah, that I'm doing. Great. So. Um, I do want to say the Art Prize staff and 21C, you guys are amazing. You made this pitch night happen, and the staff at Art Prize, they are a well-oiled machine. And Katie Moore and Tim Albin, who I worked with, um, were so just present and ready to help in any way possible. And I could not have gotten that done without this whole piece done without my community here and the community in Grand Rapids and then the LGBTQ community that that offered up their time. And people would come, Jeff, for two hours and then not want to leave. And they would come back the next day, whether or not there was a role for them to play. That's so cool. I mean, and then they were like, well, can I come next weekend? Like, do you, and I'm like, well, actually I'm not performing next weekend cause it's over, but you can come hang out. I mean, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, but I was just amazed by the support and how I was able to offer them a space to, to have their voice heard right. in um, their own city. So I, the art prize staff is, is really cool. We did a pitch mm-hmm. night last year, which Heather, um, mm-hmm. won and got to, to realize a sculpture in an outside space. And, and those guys came down and, and I got to meet them and then they came down again this year for it. And it's just an amazing, uh, the whole thing is amazing. And those guys, for a small staff to be able to yeah. make this happen, I don't even know how, yeah. how they do it. I mean, they have but over 1,400 artists, I, you know? I mean, how they manage that is just beyond me. But they do, and I told them, you know, I, I'm a project manager, and you guys do a great job. And, yeah, and there's no way this work could have been so successful without their support, too, you know, and um, I just, yeah. And and also, yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned Heather um, winning last year because she um, was a huge part of this. You know, she had been there before and so had, you know, Carrie Alter. And so it was my, you know, insight into the the whole way it works from other friends and peers that also helped me um, help support the work. And and I stayed with the same host family that um, she stayed with and Cheryl and Pete Dix are incredible. Cheryl actually started performing in the work. Right. Yeah, and she was she was there when the jurors came through. I mean, she was as was the performance team from North Carolina. So, you know, they're a significant part of why I was awarded what I was awarded. And Pete Dix helped hang the wood paneling and take it down and mm-hmm. so, I mean, this is a seriously community-based work. I could not do this as a single person. So, Right. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. We're going to take a little break and be right back. Okay. Real Kitty Kitty Litter is the first and only all-in-one pet kit. Are you tired of having to make two trips to rescue a new cat? We thought so. First, you have to drive all the way to the shelter and then off to the pet store. To hell with that. Real Kitty Kitty Litter comes with a free kitten 
in every box. You're welcome. Hurry now while supplies last. Seriously, hurry. Real kitty kitty litter. Meow. Hey, you, Rachel Herrick. Hey, Jeff Bell. I hear that something pretty cool is happening in Chapel Hill. And what's that? Well, I heard there's this thing called the Contemporaries happening at Light Art and Design. I've heard of this. And it might feature a certain Mr. Bell. Ooh, Could you uh, tell us a little something about what's happening at Light Art and Design? Amazingly enough, Warren and I and some of our previous guests, Heather Gordon and Carrie Alter, are in a show with eight other uh, local artists, and it's called The Contemporaries. It's at Light Art Design, and you can find sculpture and drawings and photography. Anything that you really want to see is there, and I think it's up till November 19th, I think is the So get yourself on over to Chapel Hill and check that out. Yes. Yes, I can't wait to see it. It's actually, it's my favorite artist in the area. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm i actually really excited to see it. I mean, except for Warren. I heard that Warren's in it. Mm. And uh, I mean, that's. I guess it's nice, you know, it's sort of in that like Make-A-Wish Foundation, <laughs> you know, making his dream come true kind of thing. I mean, that's right. nice. It's pretty sweet. To, but everybody else in that show, power. House. Mm-hmm. What a cool show. It is. I feel very fortunate to be included in it. Yes. Thank you, Rachel. All right. We're back with Stacy Kirby. <laughs> Hello. Um, so continuing the, the thought about Art Prize, mm-hmm. um, as I said before, it, it, everything seems very... Um, it is specific to specific issues, but it is also universal. Like I, mm-hmm. I can go through, my kids can go through, mm-hmm. my parents can go through mm-hmm. and all do these different things. I mean, my kids have gone to, to this and they, they love it. They mm-hmm. feel like, um, well, for one, my wife listens to NPR all the time uh-huh. and answers all of their questions, even if they're too <laughs> little. But they feel they felt like when they went to the project at the Pink Building, the first time you did the bathroom project, mm-hmm. they felt like they were... Um, involved in politics like they were Mm -hmm. able to have a voice and they're six and nine years old yeah (laughs) Uh, so they are universal they are these things that all of us can experience and Mm -hmm. and maybe begin to think in a different way or understand yeah um but for you it it is a personal thing it starts from a personal place yeah the declaration project i mean and it's funny because i was recently talking to a friend who's a fellow artist about how sometimes you just don't know why you're making what you're making at the time right Um, I think most artists probably don't. I think they do. You know, yeah. and, and then if they figure it out later, it, it, it reveals itself. And so when I did the um, the declaration project and I'm having people, you know, write down about their personal belongings, I, I've realized that that was about me exploring my own sense of belonging in my own community and within myself as a queer female in the South and not having put words around that yet or um, spoken about that with my family or my friends and just using that, that was the conversation that I could have with the public in the language that I had available to me and then you realize that I was exploring that for myself and it's great to kind of step back and be able to see that in hindsight um, and then also it's interesting to talk about um, 
validation and then the bathroom piece. Um, I'll just call it the bathroom piece. It I'm sorry, better. I keep calling it It's that. called I Am, but I it am. just doesn't stick. So I don't know. Sometimes titles make up their own um, <laughs> themselves. But um, but the, fun, the interesting thing about that piece for me is that when I got um, the Pitch Night grant um, from 21 Cent Art Prize, I did not realize that Michigan has their own um, HB2, House Bill 2, that is pending. So it's, it's Senate Bill 993 and HB 2717. And so when I found that out, I'm like, well, okay, well, this piece really, because I wasn't sure how that piece would make sense in the context, you know, of, of Michigan. And so, and I didn't want to be the artist that was coming to Michigan saying, you know, you need to do this in your political realm or with your legislation. Because I, I really don't appreciate when people come from outside of North Carolina and come here and tell us how we need to fix things, because mm -hmm. that's happened to me. I just wanted to come to Michigan and have a conversation about, like, look what's happened in our state. And, and, and this could happen in your state. And I just want you to know, you know, because it didn't seem like it was a big conversation in some circles. And I had so many people. I had the clipboards with the permit. It's a restroom facility permit, which you're, you're, that's the application you're filling out is for right. a permit. And underneath it is a, a copy of Senate Bill 993. And I had so many people ask me, like, what is this? And they live in Michigan. And I'm like, well, this is another version of, a similar version of House Bill 2. I mean, it's slightly different, but it's the same transgender bathroom conversation. And, um, um, and they were stunned. Some of them had never heard about it before and had only heard about House Bill 2. And it just blew me away that because of the media and just how things work in our world these days, that these people knew about things happening in my state, but not in their own backyard. And so it was really great to have those conversations and, um, yeah, and see make, make possible awareness happen and a, a shift, maybe change what happened from that. Um, and then also, again, all of these um, cards from these projects are sent um, at, from the Art Prize to Governor Snyder. So he'll be getting an energetic and also a physical, you know, <laughs> representation of people's voices in his mailbox at right. some point. And I do think I'm going to send um, these cards to the community members in, in Grand Rapids that performed and have them actually put them in the mailbox. Because I tell you what, when I put these cards in a mailbox for Governor McCrory or who else, who else I've sent them to, there's something really magical and empowering about opening that mailbox and shoving them all in there and just knowing, you know. And so I want to give that experience to the people that stepped up from the Grand Rapids community. So that's great. Yeah. I, I loved what you talked about before <clears throat> it, um, the, the, the first project, how it, um, you mm -hmm. know, so often we think of uh, when we make artwork, yeah, we, we, we do, it is a, it is a personal thing. Mm -hmm. And, and it, particularly in your work, it's, it's about um, so much of it is about uh, engagement and making other people think, but it's, it's pretty cool to think about, making your own work and it revealing yourself yeah. in the work while you, to yourself. I mean, you're, uh, that's a, that's a yeah. pretty cool thing. And I think we all, mm -hmm. I think all, almost all artists experience that, but that's a very, um, mm -hmm. a very um, uh, clear uh, way yeah. uh, that that happened for you. I know it is probably so obvious to some people, but <laughs> you know, it's not obvious to yourself until it comes, you right. know, re is revealed to you. But what I like, what I'm realizing, what I'm finding myself saying now these days after the art prize is that I am posing questions in my work that I have posed to myself. You know, I mm -hmm. would never pose a question to someone else or ask someone to take part in something that I actually haven't been contemplating, you know, within my own self for a while. And, and that feels 
that feels right and successful at this point because people s- seem to respond to that in a really a positive way and and have a have a, a new um, opportunity to find their own voice within the questions that I've been grappling with. So, right. yeah. And you also, this is going to change the topic a little mm-hmm. bit, but you work at the North Carolina Museum of Art. We kind of touched Shh. on that a little bit before. I'm just kidding, yeah. Um, when you mentioned that you work in, in textile conservation. Mm-hmm. How did you get into that? Um, well, when I went to UNC Chapel Hill, I got a student job in the rare book collection at Wilson Library. And I made enclosures for rare books as a student. And it was really fun. It mm-hmm. was very, very much related to my kind of anal tendencies with printmaking and, right. you know, and uh, yeah. Uh, and so, um, so I got a I got a foundation in uh, conservation that way, and then I've continued um, having jobs in conservation and the arts that have kind of fueled um, the financial side of making my work. So mm-hmm. now, yeah, so now I'm a conservation assistant at the North Carolina Museum of Art, and I do all different types of things. I don't just deal with textiles and costume because uh, they have a, a smaller collection, um, but I have um, I. I I'm on a boom lift cleaning outdoor sculpture some days. The mm-hmm. next day I'm helping install a car exhibit. You never know right. um, what I'll be what I'll be doing. But, um, I, you know, monitoring temperature, humidity, light levels, dealing with pest management issues. So mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of variety. But it also feeds it feeds my work working in the state context, you mm-hmm. know, because a lot of the issues that we're dealing with in the state are right like in my backyard, right. you know, and I get emails from the governor and I mean, not directly to me, but mass, you know, right. so, you know, so it's like when these laws are passed and things happen, I feel like it's directly impacting me in a different way than a lot of people may not realize because mm-hmm. I am a state employee, essentially. Right. So a lot of people ask me, um, because I work in a museum, because I work around art, mm-hmm. um, what what is that how do you feel about that it, they always assume it's a great thing which i think it is really cool to be around art all the time but what does that do for you as an artist do you feel like being around art all the time impacts your work in a certain way or is it is it something that can even be uh, kind of nailed down i think for me the most interesting part of working in the arts is seeing how artists um are represented and how they make work and how they're shown in museums and how that whole thing works behind the scenes, mm-hmm. which you have no idea how much it takes to get a painting on the wall or a scul- an outdoor sculpture installed or right. like, you know, you have no clue and you're nodding your head because you totally understand. But um, working in conservation and, and just being part of all of those teams, the exhibition designers, you know, the art handlers, the curators, the education staff, I mean, all of it, it's just so complex. And I've learned so much about um, making work as an artist and, and when I'm showing in an institution and in a museum or a gallery, how to make it easy on them. Yeah. And it, you know, that goes so far. It really does. It does. It does. And and how to just have a good relationship and that continues to, you know, come back and, you know, cycle throughout your life. And um, I think it leads to opportunities. And it's just I think that's really that's really important for me to see yeah, how working as an artist in this context can be a really positive thing for all parties involved, right. you know. Yeah, it like you said, people have no clue <laughs> what it takes to make an exhibition happen. Yeah. Um, it, it's there's so many people that the public would never will never interact with that have had a hand in in that. Mm-hmm. And um, as an artist, you do want to be so aware of just even simple things like 
is this going to hang on the wall? Is this going to be easy for somebody to hang on the wall? Yeah. Is this going to be easy to pack and ship? Mm-hmm. Those things are so often forgotten. But when you're on the receiving end of them, yeah. it's, yeah. it's important. And, and you're also, I mean, to be honest, you know, for artists, they're not also taught, they're not taught that in school no, oftentimes, you know, that's kind of overlooked. And I mean, granted, there could be programs out there where they're teaching that, and that's awesome. But, um, but yeah, I mean, because there's only so much you can learn in school, and I feel like the so those lessons for me have been have been huge, and have made it's it just made my work easier to show, and I know what I have to do, like I know exactly what my role is, and like I know with Art Prize, like they're a different organiza- organization than a museum, you know. Mm-hmm. So I I knew what I could ask of them and what I couldn't, and mm-hmm. what I needed to raise money for, and ha- like asking for volunteers tears and you know what you know what they bring to the table and what I'm bringing to the table I think that's really important for artists in their career to understand each each instance is different you know especially when you're doing site-specific installation and it's complex and heavy and you know you were one of the first people I think I ever talked to about uh, creative capital. Ah. And and since then, I've been a little bit more exposed to it. I've gone to one of the local um, seminars, and mm-hmm. it's an amazing organization, and it's, and it's helped brought to us by the North Carolina Arts Council here mm-hmm. locally. Um, but everyone that goes through it, I think has a has a shift a, mm-hmm. a different way of thinking a, a, a personal empowerment mm-hmm. and i think I, I can sense that in your work i think yeah. that you benefited from that can you talk about how that experience works and maybe what that's done in a in a very specific way yeah. Well, I think it's fascinating because when I was working for David Solo, he and Susan Harbage Page went through this and they were kind of a team um, through their creative capital workshop. And so when I was working as his studio manager, I saw, you know, and, and some of the handouts that he received and what it, it meant for him. And so when I had the opportunity, was that when that was presented to me, I definitely went for it because it, it, it helps you. Um, learn how to frame your work in this larger context. It helps you um, talk about your work verbally. It helps you think about the financial side of your work and budgeting. All these things that it's that you often don't get in schooling, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and it's and it's empowering because they actually have done research into the arts and artists, and you know they tell you you are good at budgeting. This is you know some, artists get get a bad rap about things like right. you know we're always late or we unorganized or we don't you know, never have money we're always struggling and it's just not true mm-hmm. you know and I really love the fact that I could come out of this workshop and be like yeah I am good at this I am good at you know money taking care of money and and budgeting and I am very organized and um, but also it just gives you it gave me a community because you go through it with a bunch of people mm-hmm. and that's how I met Heather and Warren and I got right. so close to them you know and um, and then and then you work together on your workbook and you throw um, bounce around ideas amongst yourselves and you become this kind of a support unit for each other and um, yeah creative capital is a magical experience to have as an artist and everyone should take advantage of that and I actually sent an email to Jeff Pettis at the Arts Council like in the U-Haul truck <laughs> on the way back because he had sent me a congratulations and I wrote him back and I said, I just want you to know that Creative Capital has been huge to make this happen. Um, to ha- and, and they also encourage you to have a huge vision, a bigger vision of what you're making currently yeah. because if you don't have that vision and you can't tell someone else about it, then there's no way it's going to be realized. Mm-hmm. And that was that was huge for me too, um, thinking just bigger and not being afraid of saying, I want to make a million dollars in two years. I mean, you know, that's a big goal. <laughs> right. But, you know, you got to shoot high and then maybe you'll hit the midway point. I right. mean, 
I just got two hundred thousand dollars. Right. I can't believe that. You're, I, I'm I'm never buying a drink for you again. Yeah, you should <laughs> never buy me a drink. I can't buy drinks for everyone, though. No, unfortunately, no. I mean, it'd go really fast. But but no, I I think on top of what you said, it it does sort of uh, it, it encourages it encourages you to have these big visions. Mm-hmm. It 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 um, gives you the sense that you do you are good at these things, and it gives you. Um, it reinforces the value of what you are and what you do. Yes. Don't undervalue well yourself as an artist yeah. and, and the work that you do. Because it, we don't hear that enough. We don't. And and you, you and that's not even a monetary value. Yeah. That's a that's a, a an in general value. A cultural value. Right. You it, know? It, you know, it's an important thing and, and the when I tell people about from from outside of North Carolina about the the North Carolina Arts Council mm-hmm. and the grants that they give and the things that they do, that's yeah. a we're in a way we're we're not in a way, but we're lucky because we have people like like Jeff Pettis yeah. and, and Nancy Trevilian and people mm-hmm. like that that are that are really out there every day. Yeah, and um, I mean, I, I I can directly say that the reason I well I'm not the jury that chose the the artist fellowship. I mean, I have I've received a North Carolina artist fellowship, but that was after I went through Creative Capital and after you know. So it's like there are these baby steps and these mm-hmm. you know that the Arts Council offers you and insights into how to grow your work and 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 be a stronger, better, um, more confident artist. You know, and I I really value them. I really do, and I want everyone to know about them and and they're a huge resource you know yeah and not just on the state level yeah uh, they are involved in every little arts council from here to there yeah you know, they're it's incredible yeah uh, how how much they're able to do yeah and i'm excited because i think i'm having um so he forwarded jeff forwarded that to creative capital and i'm doing a phone interview with them next week oh, and so cool. i'll probably be on their website and so you see how it just like it mm-hmm. it just gets bigger you know the more you connect with people the more you talk about your work and here's a great example that i wanted to say okay so i went through after you receive a $200,000 award or art prize, you go into what I'm calling the media blitz. Sure. That's the only way. That's what this is. This is the media. Yeah. This is the, (laughs) this is nothing compared to what I went through. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, photography, you know, and then I talked to an AP reporter on the phone, the Detroit free press on the phone. And then, and then they spit me into the, the press conference where there's like 25 reporters and, and cameras, you know, and I'm totally standing on this podium overwhelmed, but trying to keep my, my crap together, right. you know, be professional, you know, and, uh, and this one artist, uh, sorry, reporter raises her hand and says, I'm having a hard time concisely describing your work, you know, to my readers and um, to my audience. And, and I just had this moment, I seriously, I heard this thought of like, here comes my creative capital elevator pitch <laughs> right. that they make you do, you know? And I totally, I just unleashed it on her, like two statements. And she was like, wow, nice job. Give it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's give it. Warren wants us to hear it. Okay. Basically it's, hi, I'm Stacy Kirby. I'm a performance and installation artist. I uh, create performative interactions where I build installations, perform within them and create um, interactions around themes of identity, community, belonging, and civil rights. That was beautiful. And that was it, you know? Right. And, and, but that was so hard to get to if I it didn't is. have guidance, you it know? Is. Because you start out with like a five minute pitch yeah. and a two minute. And you're like, and how do I say this? How do I like, say this in 30 seconds or yeah, a minute? Yeah. Yeah. You know? And then, you know, it can get a little bit more elaborate if you want to, but that's just the teaser. And it, yeah, the reporter just ate it up. And, and I was like, okay, next question. Right. You know? So, but that was all, that's all North Carolina Arts Council and Creative Capital. Right. So, and, yeah. And uh, we're going to wrap up with, 
what were you feeling when you won the award? I mean, we, we were freaking out. And you, when in the video, you go up and you're like, I know, you're I see. so, you seem so calm. And I'm like, God, I would just be totally freaking I see, out. So, I see, I know. People have said, you seem like you knew you were going to win. And I'm like, no, I, I was very composed because I was freaking out on the inside. There's a hell of a lot of people at that thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is so, as an artist sitting there, you're sitting on the stage, right? And they've never sat the artist on the stage until this year. And then they tell us right before we go on that we're going to make remarks. And I'm like, really? Art prize you could have told us that a couple of days ago right but anyways <laughs> so we're up there and we're looking at the entire audience and then everything that's going on in the wings of the stage the art prize staff and performers and then the band beside us and then the production staff in the back of the theater that are making crazy arm movements you know <laughs> and the and the um the teleprompter and like the tv screens i mean we are getting a whole vision that's completely distracting so it took me a while just to focus on what was going on yeah. and where you know these people presenting but but um no, I was so excited and so honored, and but I just knew that I was going to have to stand up there and say something very clear, and I tried. I, I decided not to say try to say anything too profound because I was probably just going to start peeing my pants or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I just yeah wanted to go up there and make sure that I thank the people that were so important in this process, and I even forgot people, you know. So, but I was so elated. But also, when I'm wearing that suit that I perform in, right. there's some level of calm that I I have within me because I I know that like I'm in control of what's going on like this is my performance role like I've got this I love that you were wearing the suit that was really cool (laughs) it was it seemed very important you know for that so um and that also just makes me feel safe and and like I'm I'm doing my work this is where I'm supposed to be and this is what I'm doing I'm being on my authentic self you know well thank you Stacey Kirby we're very proud of you thanks Jeff Bell and Warren Hicks I love you guys thanks Warren Hicks (laughs) Oh, uh, we should also say, because I'm not very good at this, let's hear what your website is, Stacey Kirby. www.stacykirby. Sorry, let me back up. That was www.stacy-kirby.com. Let's spell it out. S-T-A-C-E-Y-K-I-R-B-Y.com. Thank you. I thought you meant your own website. (laughs) (laughs) God. Here's a segment with Chris Vitiello. He's a local writer. Uh, he works at NC State in the library, and he also is uh, the Poetry Fox, which you may have seen out and about. And he is going to um, tell us a little bit about what's going on in the area as far as arts, and maybe say a few words about our guest today, Stacy Kirby. Oh wow, Stacy Kirby, um, killing it right now. Uh, winning the grand prize at Art Prize this year and bringing home a, a, a nice, nice big sack of cash. Uh, but really, more importantly, uh, just getting some really well-deserved recognition for a sort of a body of work that's, you know, great art, really entertaining to experience, and, you know, A-plus level social activism uh, all at the same time. So, I mean, she's she's hitting work on all cylinders, and it's really cool to see an artist that you root for, um, who's making really worthwhile work, get some widespread recognition. It's, um, you know, it feels like you're you're part of that when when somebody you're close to gets that kind of recognition. It does. It feels like a, a sort of hometown victory, like mm-hmm. your your favorite team won something. We're all walking around a little proud. It's uh-huh. pretty cool. Oh yeah. Uh huh. So you're out there. Every time I go out somewhere, you're out looking at things and writing about things. What um, have you seen lately that really interests you? And what are you looking forward to seeing uh, coming up? One show that's up right now that I really love um, 
is Leah Sobzi's uh, photographs of sort of historical objects, and it's in the vault gallery in 21C, uh, which you you know well. Yeah. Um, it's you know it, it's just like I've I I first saw this work where she was doing uh, a residency with the National Park Service, and she just sort of unearthed all of these these you know almost like turn of the century kinds of uh, of of farm objects. Um, so like gloves and um you know pieces of clothing and things like that and she was taking these really intense um crisp photographs of them on a black surface um and i saw them in a in a slideshow but uh the cool thing about them was that um in the vault they just take on another kind of presence um you know to see them projected on a screen where she's talking about them is one thing but then close together in this underground very small, uh, almost claustrophobic space. It just has a totally different feeling. It's an absolutely worthwhile show to go see. I'm always kind of blown away by her ability to match the, a photographic process with an image. She's she's so talented and, and so skilled in so many different processes. She seems really, really good at finding the right process and the right size and, and, and figuring out what, how to, how to make that work. And in that space, she was very um, intent on making the walls dark and to kind of give it a darker feel and, and so that the images really kind of pop out, they really stand out. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of that as well. And, and she also is showing work at the Carrick with, uh, with Linda Bellins mm-hmm. and um, the late Herb Bellins, the three of them together, the sort of you know, family of, of artists and this lineage through their work uh, that will be at the Carrick for the back half of October as well. Yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, yeah. I know you wrote some things for a catalog at um, Davidson College, is that right? Oh yeah, uh, Davidson has a has a show called uh, "Seeing, Saying, Images, and Words," and it's a group show of artists uh, incorporating words in their work. So uh, there are some uh, not many local artists in that show. Susan Harbage Page uh, has work in that show, but also work by artists like John Baldessari and Christian Marclay and Hank Willis Thomas and uh, Raymond Pettibone, uh, which I'm excited about because mm-hmm. you know we were Black Flag fans when we were kids. <laughs> right. um, but uh, I got to edit the catalog for that show and sort of see the work before it's up, in a way, Very at least cool. on the computer screen. And it's it's going to be a wonderful show to see in person and really just get all these different types of takes on it. I learned about some contemporary artists that are in that show. Uh, Teresita Fernandez uh, is one of them whose work I was unfamiliar with. Uh, I'm really looking forward to going to Charlotte and, well, uh, Davidson is outside of Charlotte, but yeah. uh, but close and seeing that show, Leah Newman and another curator at Davidson put that show together, and I think it's been a long time coming for them, and they're, they, they can't wait to open the doors on it. They're doing cool shows down there. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm really kind of impressed by what they're doing. And is there anything else out there that uh, people need to get out there and see? Yeah, you need to keep the car gassed up for November because SICA in uh, the Southeastern Center for Contemporary Art in uh, Winston-Salem is opening a show, I think, on November 1st called Dispatches. And uh, actually, Stacy Kirby has work in that show, uh, along with a bunch of other people like Mel Chin, Chloe Bass, and George Shear, uh, one of the founders of Elsewhere, George, right. uh, have work in that show as well, as well as uh, the Electronic Disturbance Theater has work in that too. These are artists that are uh, contemporary artists all responding to the news and contemporary events and uh, current events and just sort of uh, contemporary political issues like ecology and the environment, 
post 9-11 work, there's sort of uh, one of the thematic emphases is artists responding to 9-11 and the change in in the fabric of life after 9-11. So uh, I think it'll be a really timely show. I mean, we have all been consuming election coverage uh, as much as we can bear it, Um, Mm -hmm. consuming coverage of just uh, migration and border issues, which is another thematic emphasis at this show at SICA. Um, I I think it's going to be a really wonderful way to kind of take our battered selves from the uh, election season into a space and really... Uh, see how contemporary artists have been uh, handling those those feelings that we've been handling ourselves. Very nice. Great. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Oh, sure. Don't You Lie to Me is funded in part by the Visual Art Exchange's Lighter Fluid Award. If you aren't familiar with those fine people, you should check out their website for more information about their exhibitions, artist benefits, and special programming. Their website is visualartexchange.org. We also want to thank, of course, Matt McMichaels for the use of his studio, Trusty Woods, his equipment, and his patience. The theme song was composed by our own Warren Hicks, and the logo design was by Artsy Martha. Thank you for listening, and please tell your friends to listen as well. Thank you.